Hi there, this is Hansi of Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra. You're listening to Sonic Perspectives. the beast hurry up hurry up hurry up at least i'm trying my mind it tends to slip away such wisdom and a madman's gaze faces and places dark ages and pages yet everything Hi everyone, it's Rodrigo Altaf here, and this is another interview for Sonic Perspectives. Our guest today is someone we spoke with in the September when he played the Prog Power Festival with Demons and Wizards. And here we are again with the bard himself, Hansi Kursch. Hansi, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Rodrigo, great to be back. You just finished a successful tour with Demons and Wizards, and now there's a new release to discuss, Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra, Legacy of Dark Lands. Tell us about this release, uh, which will take the fans by surprise, I imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a busy year so far. John and I, uh, apart from doing the Demons and Wizards shows, we also accomplished our third album, which is going to be released somewhere next year, I would say in, in February or March 2020. So it is a very busy season. But uh, maybe my mine and Andre's lifetime biggest adventure ever finally will see the light of the world and that's legacy of the dark lands uh, andre and i worked on some orchestral stuff over the last 23 years and after announcing it so many many times um, we finally were able to accomplish everything to our satisfaction and so in november this album is going to be released and it contains surprisingly no metal guitars and no drums at all we announced that a couple of times but still people cannot believe it and are surprised if they are listening to it or if they hear about it but um, i hope people will find out to their satisfaction that this actually works pretty fine what we are listening to on legacy of the darkland is orchestral metal soundtrack music you can say with my voice and there's a lot of singing Mm -hmm. And, well, you just said it yourself, you waited 23 years for this project to be completed. I can even begin to imagine the sense of uh, relief and accomplishment you're feeling, right? <laughs> exactly. I, I started to question ourselves like three years or two years ago when I thought, well, this will never come to an end. Then mm. when once I was in the singing, really into the, the, the mood of, you know, just nailing the stuff down and nailing down still means like six months of work ahead. Um, mm. I felt a first relief, but when finishing my, my part of performances and when we started the uh, editing and cleaning of, uh, of the orchestrations and, and the mixing itself, it just felt again, like this is never going to end. This is really a never ending story. And then all of a sudden, I think it was May when, you know, I was about to start the, the rehearsals for Demons and Wizards. One fine day, we were completely done with at least the music 
and everything related to the production. And that was really a relief. And of course, I'm really proud about the result. And uh, I, I still think it was a very natural step for Blind Guardian to do so. Right, okay. And I have a theory, and I think it had uh, it had to take that long to be made because only a well-established band like Blind Guardian could dare to do something so different from your usual output. Would you say that's correct? Well, I, I don't know if if we're the only one who, you know, might be able to do an album like this, but we we for sure have the courage to do so. Yeah. And um, we like to explore. Maybe that mm -hmm. is different to most of the other bands who sometimes love to play the safety card. And of course, we're living in very insecure times. So people rely on what they usually do. And, you know, there is no space, it seems, for new impulses. But that's not how we feel. It was a very natural process for us to do so from the very first moment we started working on these songs i mean we really have to go back to nightfall in middle earth when we did um the first two songs and they turned out to be the storm and dark clouds rising on this album mm -hmm. uh, when when doing them we were really discussing to have them on uh nightfall in middle earth back then because they potentially were strong enough They, they just lacked the metal guitar. And obviously, we would be able to involve the metal guitar. And that was a discussion like a few times during the whole process. But whenever we got really deeper into the discussion, we just figured, well, that is not our intention. Maybe that would be easier to, uh, to uh, be comprehended by people. But that's not what we have had in mind. So we just stayed faithful to ourselves and you know really did the thing as we intended to do it from the very beginning and so over the years we always saved the songs which were accomplished in an orchestral way there were you know beneficial moments for both for the metal band sometimes like in uh on the beyond the red mirror album at the edge of time or with wheel of time but on the other hand of course you know every process for Blind Guardian with each and every album had an impact on the orchestral stuff. So for us, it was a win-win situation and we learned a lot. So um, of course, it was never our intention to have that, you know, released after 23 years. If you asked me mm -hmm. like 10 years ago, I would have said, well, it's maybe another two years or so until we release it. And even right. then at that point, it would have been 15 years already. So uh -huh. uh, it, it was the project itself, which, you know, just commanded the period it would need to be accomplished. Right. I understand. And I noticed it's being released under a different name, uh, Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra. Is that the intention to sort of rebrand this release? And can we expect more more albums in that vein under that brand, maybe? Depending on how long it takes to do such an album, I can right. at least promise one more album under the name Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra. Even if it takes another 23 years, we will be oh. able to, to accomplish it then. Uh, but um, our intention, of course, is to come up with a second album like this. And since we have gained so much experience, it won't take that long. Plus, we have composed a few songs in between already because uh, when we finished 
when we started the production that is with regard to singing, that is already three years ago. So in between, we composed a few more songs into that direction already. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, there will be another album for sure. Uh, no, okay. I cannot tell you exactly how long it's going to take, but I, I would guess in between five and ten years because we still intend to release Blind Guardian albums. And yes, we try to keep it a little separate. To I mean, it confuses people anyway, but mm-hmm. uh, we... We try to point out this is something different. This belongs to the Blind Guardian universe, but it is not pure Blind Guardian. Okay, I understand. And uh, I understand also that the story told in the album is tied in with the book The Dark Lands by Marcos Heights. How are these two stories related and what's the story on the album? Well, The Dark Lands is the prequel defining uh, the playground for Legacy of the Dark Lands and obviously for the Darklands itself. Um, Mm -hmm. The story plays in the Thirty Years' War, which was one of the most massive wars here in uh, Europe. And it it defines European nations as they are nowadays. It it took place in the 17th century. And um, it is just the playground. So there there is some relation to history, but mostly it's a fictive story, both... um, Marcus Heights, The Dark Lands, and Legacy of the Dark Lands as well. Um, what we experience in The Dark Lands is an adventure by Anlin Kane, who is the daughter of Solomon Kane, uh, an old adventurer. And mm-hmm. what we experience on uh, Legacy of the Dark Lands is we reveal the secret of one of the characters which you will witness in the Darklands, and that's Nicolas the mercenary. He is um, hiding a shady and obscure secret, which he's not aware of himself. On uh, Legacy of the Darklands, he tries to discover what this secret is, and what we will find out on Legacy of the Darklands is that Nicholas is the first rider of the apocalypse who, in conflict to his brothers, try to avoid the apocalypse. So this is basically what the story is about. And did Marcus have a chance to give any input on the album or in the story on how it develops or not really? Yes. I mean, he gave me the frame. That's the, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And um, we adjusted things together. For me, it was important, especially for the songs which had been composed prior to his participation in the whole pro- project, to pay tribute to them, you know, and to the the images they already created. They they needed to be uh, somehow covered by the storylines we were telling. Mm-hmm. So whenever that was the case, I needed the freedom to um, adjust the story into that direction. I went back to them, uh, to him, with uh, these incidents, and then we decided how to continue the, the story in the most logical way. So it was like playing ping pong. You know, we were always mm-hmm. playing the ball into the other field, so he could, you know, do some art with it. And so he has had a, an influence on Legacy of the Darklands, but obviously the story. Uh, development has been created by me. 
I see. And of course, you did the vocals on the album, but how did everyone else in the band contribute to, to the making of this album? Ah, uh, they were wishing me good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they, they, I mean, obviously, Andre and I, we composed the whole stuff. So mm -hmm. we were closely working together, and Andre um, was one of the controlling organs, especially when we were recording uh, the orchestra, and he had to make sure that everything was to his liking, obviously, mm -hmm. as well as he has been playing an important role in the mixing, as usual. So um, he has been involved in many, many different ways. Uh, Markus and Frederick, they both have had no influence on the album, but that was very clear to them for a very long time because um, over the years, it always has been Andre at my side baby, to say so. Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, regarding the vocals that you recorded, was there any specific preparation for this album? Because the style you employ here is different from the, the metal side of Blind Guardian, so to speak, right? Surprisingly, no. There was no um, other uh, preparation. Of course, the recordings went different and we had to treat every song a little different and we had to approach to every song because the dynamic of the orchestra changes so drastically sometimes within a very short amount of time and I had to adjust to that and uh, this was not always as intended in the pre-production but we tried to get as close as possible, even to the dynamics I've had um, on the original arrangements. But mm -hmm. the orchestra was dictating a little how to perform. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. the stuff was composed that way, but singing to an orchestra is still different than singing to uh, a metal band, as most people probably can imagine. Uh, what was different from the beginning within the songwriting, I had a little more space for, you know, a more sort of expressive way of singing, like, you know, going mm -hmm. from from one character to the other and make that very obvious so that the listener really gets the roller coaster ride of a nice storyteller, you know, jumping into different characters. Right. Yeah, and uh, I have a question about the recording with the orchestra. Uh, you recorded with the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. What was that experience like and what kind of input did you you or the band have in their playing? I mean, do you have a, a classic training background or Andre by any chance? No, we both don't have. And this album was only possible due to the technical evolution of digital recording equipment and digital sound libraries. So mm. when we composed the stuff, we were working with um, keyboard orchestration, you know, and we put a lot of effort in that so that the these orchestrations already sounded like a, a real orchestra. Mm -hmm. But that still is not the same. And um, we are both not studied musicians. So we did not have an exact idea how an orchestra would work. So before we went to Prague to record the stuff, we needed someone who wrote the whole stuff down as scores for the orchestra. And to secure that this was as close as possible, the, the score orchestration needed to be programmed again. 
So we could cross-check everything with what we have composed before to make sure that the original intention was preserved. And we mm -hmm. really succeeded in doing so. Then we went to Prague and had our team with us. Um, over the years, we have built up a very strong uh, productive team with regard to orchestration. That was Matthias Ulmer, who has been in charge of the um, orchestration. Then Tommy Geiger and Charlie Baufeind, who, are, who have been in charge of the recordings and the orchestration. Mm -hmm. So with these three people together, we built, uh, to say so, a control team, which had an impact on the uh, orchestra. We were telling them if we felt the dynamics were not right, or we were telling them if a section was not playing exactly as we it intended to have them playing it, um, and that sometimes took a while, but usually once everything is nailed down um, in score form and the uh, conductor has been put into the picture, there's not a lot to do for Andre or me. Um, so we mm -hmm. mostly enjoyed our stay in Prague and we're sitting in the Rudolfinum in the concert hall and we were just listening to the guys and we're, you know, having fun and, oh, wow. and seeing, in seeing this baby coming alive. But still... For for every song, you we needed, let's say, half a day um, of recording in Prague before we considered the orchestral part to be done. I see. And uh, regarding the other voices on the album, you had the narrators of uh, Night Poly Middle Earth working with the band again. How did they feel about this project when they got the invitation to work with the band again? And I understand one of them passed away recently, right? Yes, unfortunately, Douglas Fielding, who was um, struggling with cancer, mm. uh, died short, short after the recordings. He, he did an unbelievable performance. He was really sick at the point, obviously, when we were doing the recordings, but you couldn't feel it. I was informed about that before, um, but he was going the full nine yards and did an amazing performance with every ca character he was uh, transferring. Um, and so was Norman Eashley, who um, is the other performing character of Nightfall in Middle Earth. These two guys um, I met after 23 years, after 20, 21 years for the very mm. first time. And I was chasing for them for a very long time. And I'm a, an old school guy, so I was chasing for managements, I was chasing for contacts, whatever. And I couldn't find mm -hmm. them until uh, Charlie Balfine suggested to check Facebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I haven't thought about that at all, you know. Mm. <laughs> That's not my thoughts to you, usually. I should have asked other people, but... Anyway, I was really chasing these guys for a while and couldn't get in touch with them and was really desperate already. But then, after Charlie mentioned it, five minutes later, we have been in contact. I spoke to them. We, we had an appointment. I went to London almost the same way it was with Nightfall Middle Earth. I explained what I wanted to have and they were just, you know, rushing through the stuff. It was an amazing experience again. I, I was really blown away when when we did Nightfall back 21 years ago. But mm -hmm. 
I felt this was even stronger because there were more people. We had a few more uh, um, artists, a few more actors in the studio because there were more um, characters to be occupied. And they were just having the time of their lives and they certainly made that the time of my life. Um, mm. After a day, I had the whole narrations done and uh, we had so much fun in the studio doing all the special effects and whatever, you know, is accompanying the guys. It was amazing. But yeah, Douglas was a remarkable person and it's tragic that, you know, he had to pass away. But I feel it's a blessing for us that he is taking part on that particular album. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm curious about the artwork of this new release. I only saw the album cover, which is great, but I'm assuming there's more in the booklet that adds to the story and enhances the whole experience, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as usual, even if we're talking about a 21 to 23 years project with regard to Blind Guardian, everything was accomplished the very last moment. So <laughs> I couldn't get as many images as I wanted to. But uh, Jula Hanfstack, um, the guy who's in charge of the artwork, he, he accomplished as much as possible. And apart from a spec really spectacular front cover artwork, which is extended to, to the left and the right panel, he, he did some great additional uh, stuff for that. So I'm really pleased how that turned out. When we have the time and when the time goes by and we, you know, do another special edition or an edition with live recordings, whatever we're doing, um, mm -hmm. then I ask him to come up with even more images. He really did an amazing job. And uh, I wonder how these songs could be played live, maybe with a screen showing scenes of the story or in the form of a musical, maybe. Do you have any ideas of how to replicate that or is that so, in the cards at all? <laughs> so far, um, my my first goal intention would be more the, the musical uh, direction. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe having us going ahead first in a regular concert setup way so that I would be accompanied by an orchestra and by some guest musicians, having speakers involved and actors, of course, but mm -hmm. still making it a Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra event. But we could also, you know, just license it to, you know, third parties so they, they could make a regular play out of it. We really have to, you know, look at the opportunities once the time is given. But we will have, at the very least, one performance at the very end of 2021, because um, before we will be able to bring that to stages, um, we will accomplish a regular new Blind Guardian album. And then... Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have to go on tour with Blind Guardian. So that allows us little time to prepare the whole thing. But uh, expect this to be on stage uh, at the end of 2021. If we go to concert halls, which would um, comfort the, um, the orchestra the most, or if mm. we do it in a once-in-your-lifetime experience in bigger venues, we do not know now. I mean, that, that really needs to be discussed. Uh, and uh, another question I have is about uh, a possible new Blind Guardian Open Air Festival. There's even an online petition going on. Uh, is this something you would consider or not really? Yes, uh, we consider a Blind Guardian Festival as a good chance to obviously present the Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra for the very first time. If it necessarily has to be open air, 
I do not know now. Um, okay. For, for now, I consider a bigger venue with regard to the orchestra for the better option because open air and classical instruments, that's quite a challenge on its own. And okay. especially for our first spot presenting that stuff, I do not think that this is the best idea. But yes, we're in for another Blind Guardian um, festival, even though there are maybe almost 20 years in between as well. Right. Okay. And uh, you mentioned the new Blind Guardian album that's already been written or recorded. When can we have more concrete news about the follow-up? I'm gathering all information I can at the moment, and I'm still citing my part of the job, and that is, you okay. know, to, to accomplish the vocals. What I can say is that we will start the production in the beginning of 2020. Um, Charlie Bauerfeind will be occupied with work for Halloween for a while, but um, we intend to start the pre-production either in December or in the beginning of January um, of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea actually is to accomplish the album within 2020, so we can hit the road uh, in the beginning of 2021. We're really ready, you know, to get the next chapters going. And um, the stuff is very progressive, very Blind Guardian-like. Um, it contains classical elements, surprise, surprise, on a uh -huh. far minor doses in, in comparison to Legacy of the Dark Lands. But we cannot deny a Legacy of the Dark Lands even on the next album. Okay. Oh, that's good to hear, man. And uh, last but not least, I have a message for you from a Facebook group called Blind Guidance Bard's Tavern. Uh, I reached out to them for questions and they helped us a lot. So so they wanted to uh, tell you that they're big fans and uh, that they look forward to seeing you on the road. Okay? Good people. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are aware of the Bard's Tavern. <laughs> and um, right. it's always good to know that these people are around. Man, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Looking forward to seeing you on stage very soon. Rodrigo, very nice talking to you. And uh, yeah, I hope to catch you somewhere on the road. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Take care. Bye. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Hansi Kursch. You notice there's a lot of activity in the Blind Guardian camp, so rest assured that we at Sonic Perspectives will be there to witness it, review it, and report it, whatever and wherever it is. Please like us on Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to be aware of all our updates. We're gonna finish now with one of the singles of the new Blind Guardian's Twilight Orchestra album. The song is called This Storm. Take care and rock on! Beware! Just a matter of time I was not afraid when it all began I was picking up the pieces when a voice in sorrow sang For I heard a madman cry Oh no, then she comes close to the darkened sun Armed with weapons and men Expels. Man, you better run. Man, you better run. They're at the gates. I wonder the final hope in these barren lands. Too late, I fear. Is it long gone by? The Lord, He will come for your souls. 
for the harvest just rich cedars grow The river's surrounded by ghosts Surrender and die You die Time is at hand. 